0: welcome back everybody to the investors roundtable i'm your host robert Kraft. Uh, you can follow me on twitter at bobby k Kraft, b-o-b-b-y-k-k-r-a-f-t and we have a great topic and even better panel today what's going on everybody we got kevin shea at the good prick we're not at 500 followers yet i don't know what you guys are doing out there but uh <laughs> kevin welcome back what's going on man
1: i was on mute so yeah i haven't that's always nice to be back bobby Thanks for inviting me again. Of course, always great. Uh, How many of these panels have you done, Kevin? How many what? How many of these have you done now? Um, I'm going to guess. six or seven nice at,
0: at least i think i don't know i think it's tied between him and steven keel for the most done though keel's
1: in far more often than i am
0: <laughs> <laughs> i you know i wanted to i like the competition you know I, I want i want it to be competitive because then it uh saves me the the trouble of having to uh you know ask a couple favors here and there but uh, i do appreciate every time uh, everyone does join on and speaking of which i gotta enjoy i gotta introduce sam it's been a while since he's been on He's trying to get to the record now at this point. Sam yeah, Namiri. I, I think I was the first
2: one, right? And then I haven't been on since. And, <laughs> but I must say, Kevin, you've been very entertaining to listen to. And Bobby, <laughs> as always, great job moderating. So I uh, appreciate it. Thanks for having me back on.
0: Awesome, thank you, Sam. And also, Kevin, we gotta congratulate Sam right now. He he kicked ass this last quarter, according to his last letter. So uh, we gotta give him, give him some props there. Right. So, thank you, thank very you. Very good. Nice, so get, give us a little background. Why
2: did we do so well last quarter? Uh, you know, my investments went up. <laughs> um, no, you, 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 I, I mean, you never know with with investing in stocks like timing of things. And so, uh, my my biggest position last quarter went up quite a bit. Um, and it's obviously in like the work from home economy. It it helps. I, I don't I don't really talk about position names too much. So, um, but yeah, I mean. Uh, if, if if you want to know more, reach out directly. I'm happy to happy to chat one on one with people about specifics. So, very cool, very cool.
0: All right, so now let's get to today's topic. And um, you know, this is something that we've talked about on a few panels now, but we wanted to kind of take it a step further. And I would like to thank uh, our fellow panelist Kevin Shea with taking this topic a step further. So the the question that that he asked that we're going to discuss today is can cultural moats exist in the age of physical separation? Sam, speaking of uh, working from home and you know, everybody working remotely. So that's the question that we're posing today. So Kevin, you want, you want to start us off on this conversation and maybe even give a little background and then, and then we'll get into it?
1: Sure. I mean, this this uh, is, a, is a topic that has evolved over the 17 sessions that you've had, Bobby. Um, I forget which one. It, Our it originally... 17
0: therapeutic sessions. Yeah, it's
1: very very nice. I mean, you know, it's better than drugs. You know, <laughs> <laughs> this is, you know I call
0: this IA Investors Anonymous, but not yeah. so anonymous. Hey, so the, the topic
1: ready. has been the topic has been on the table for quite some time, and and uh, various comments have been made. Um, obviously, the whole idea of moats was originally brought on by Buffett, and has been discussed numerous times in many many different uh, formats. Um, over the course of the last well, literally 10, 15 years of whenever Buffett made the comment. Um, I think that there's quite a bit, quite a bit of uh, interest around that and how do you protect your company's assets you know broadly you know by separating them from, from competition? Um, I'll take a step further, sit down and say you know that, I mean, the, the, the moat of course is the thing of on a castle and you know in my view of it is that uh, moats work up to a point in time. And as I was talking to my wife last night about this topic, I said, "What happens to a what happens to a moat when you have a cannon on the other side of the moat?" You know, mm-hmm. so the castle becomes, you know, it, it basically co- collapses under the under the, the siege of a uh, of a of a cannon. Um, so to some extent, castles and moats are indefensible. They over time and time and innovation will kill all moats. And so that's the that's a premise that I've been working on for quite some time is that moats are in fact indefensible um, over time and up to innovation. And again, one can argue about patents and things of that type and better management. And I would agree, I'm not defining the timing, I'm just defining the fact that moats are over time indefensible.
2: But could I give you an example of one that maybe is defensible and tell me how you would argue that? Sure. So like WD-40 for instance, right, WD-40, it's like the most well-known lubricant, right? I'm sure there's other companies that can create something similar to it, but why risk, you know, spending a little bit less as a consumer or as a you know someone who uses WD-40, right? And and you know take the risk of that, you know, if it doesn't, if something doesn't work out, you're like, man, why'd you cheap out on like a dollar a can, for instance, on on something less?
1: If I um, continue to stretch this thing, what I would have come into is that. Um, <clears throat> I think in the in the in the marketplaces that uh, I play and you play in, and others play in, is we're looking at micro caps, typically micro caps, small caps, mid caps. Um, I do think that there are historical moats. Okay, whether or not it's brand or whether or not they've just been in the business for so damn long. Mm-hmm. Um, and I look at the automobile companies. I mean, I, I, as I said, I'm pretty familiar with Ford Motor Company, and they're they've do they have a moat? Not in product. Do they have a moat in people? they're all using the same people do they have a molten culture it's an organ it's a it's, it's a vast organism that basically kind of works its way through so to be honest with you if I look at these large well-developed companies with well-developed products and brands I can't I can't get to the bottom of it to sit down and say well that moat exists around those historic companies based upon fill in the blank product people management etc um so how do you differentiate these very well-known large companies that exist and have existed for quite some time? Do they have a moat? I mean, and if so, what is it? And, and how does one how does one go about trying to under, underline the foundation of that moat? Um, again, I'm looking. At, you know, is 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 will will um, will Tesla take down Ford? I don't think so because Ford will ultimately come up with, a, we already have come up with a liquid vehicles and they'll start to compete. Um, but again, it's, it's a fascinating question. WD-40 has been around forever and ever and ever. Um, they're a very well-used brand. Everybody uses them. In fact, the funny thing is, is I use them to clean my bumpers. <laughs> Seriously, clean my bumpers and clean my alloy alloy wheels. That's a spectacular job, okay? <laughs> uh, Interesting. It's a funny, it's a funny, uh, it's a funny I'm, question. I'm, you know, so, so full disclosure,
2: I don't own WD forty, but just neither, uh, do, I. neither uh, do I. And, and, and then also, like the going back to the auto industry, like I just don't think the automobile business is a good business. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider. It's not a quality business, I think, in my opinion, to invest in because just the characteristics of the industry, it, it I don't think it can can create a moat in a certain way. It's it's very competitive. Co- consumers like every it, it's a big purchase for a consumer, so they do generally do a lot of you know, research and shopping around for that purchase. And I don't think there's like too much brand loyalty to some degree there, that, that's just Yeah, but I'm... is it, but, but okay.
0: So going back to your question of, you know, just using WD-40 as our case study here, you know, cause I, I can think of actually quite a few micro cap or actually one micro cap in particular that I, I, should I name the name? But like, but it's it's a name that I think you two are both familiar with that you can maybe use as a similar example, and yet it's still a microcap and it's kind of in like a turnaround situation. But it's a product that we all know by name and would think of that product just by that name. Yes, there you go. And so you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So, um, and full disclosure, I'm not a shareholder. If anybody is, neither am I. I figured it out too. <laughs> um, you know, so so that's so I have to ask that question. I mean you know, it's not like WD-40 has a pat, or this other company, I believe has a patent on their sprays or, or you know, uh, 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 lubricants, um, you know, so what's stopping, what's stopping some of, you know, uh, these generics A Kirkland, you know, what, where's Costco's WD-40 uh, product coming out? That's going to be right next to WD-40 for a dollar less. And people are like, all right, well, it does the same job. Like, I'll just, I'll just grab that. You know, we just know, like, I need to go get WD-40, but still might go with the generic brand because there's not a huge barrier to entry. We just think there might be.
1: Let me, let me just uh, talk to that subject briefly, but on an aside. Um, as I mentioned on moats, um, in my opinion, as I've said, I think that innovation and timing um, is uh, two things that uh, def- destroy moats. And I think two of the other things that destroy moats are stupidity and arrogance okay of management all right so i mean let's look at another one that's perfectly perfectly good candidate and i forget how it worked out but both kodak and polaroid what did they miss they they polaroid owned the the instant instant photography okay they they didn't even show up during the digital photography they had some sort of claim on it i forget who had claim on it whether it was kodak or a polaroid i think they actually had some some patents, but I'm not, I'm not sure. But then again, look at the stupidity and arrogance of those two companies saying, "Well, we're in the film business." Okay, no, you're in the photograph business. Um, so I think that there are self, self, um, self-defeating moats that exist by bad management at the same time. So I mean, if we're looking at good moats, we have to look at bad moats or whatever, however you want to describe them more. self, self-defeating moats. Um, so again, I'm not quite sure whether or not. Uh, the company that you're talking about bobby they, they are a turnaround and they uh they certainly seem to have had a brand loyalty of some sort but you know the management screwed it all up okay now maybe they did it because of the tech, the, the need for the technology you know, didn't exist over the last five or ten years and now it does badly okay so again you know one has to look at that thing and sit down and say but they do have a brand okay and that brand might be able to give them leverage um but you know, we're talking about that. And as I said, the, the, the topic is, is culture. And um, I don't know what kind of culture exists in WD-40. Again, is it historical culture? Does it really matter to them? I mean, is it really just their brand and that's it? I mean, do they care about culture? I mean, if I look at something like uh, Facebook or, or Twitter or Google, or, I mean, that's heavily, heavily suspended on, 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 um, on culture. Again, it's a monolithic culture, but it's, I think it's pretty much there. I mean it's a it's a singular focus that these companies have. Um, when I look back and look at for example, I go look at Ford, Ford has a culture, but it is extraordinarily um, universal. I mean, not not monolithic. Um, how do they compete? you know, do they compete you know and culturally uh, to things like a Google or a Facebook who have you know ten percent of the of the um, of the employees that uh, a large company like Ford has. I mean, similarly, again, I'm not quite sure how Sears failed, but, you know, Sears failed and and um, they had, they certainly had a brand for quite some time. And it showed, obviously, that that brand moat was unsuccessful, but might have been unsuccessfully leveraged by management. So again, I'm not even, I don't even know why Sears failed. I don't know. I, really, I haven't followed the story. Have you been to a Sears recently? Hell no. Or, or like the last two years, three, like even
2: driven What's by Sears? exactly Just look at, look at the buildings that you really exactly I mean, Sam, why.
0: Sam, they... uh, all, the, all the Sears in LA, I the one by my place or in the, in the, in the Valley,
2: gone. Yeah, no, I but like, if you look at the buildings, they just never invested in, in anything really, you know, they were just trying to milk it for as much as they possibly could. Um, and I think they had debt, debt issues there too. But if you ever like see the build a Sears building, it's like, from the 70s or 80s, and hasn't been touched. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so, They look I mean... beautiful. They they turn into great apartments. <laughs> they really do. <laughs> no, the Sears the Sears building in Bo- the Sears building in Boston is called the landmark building. It is gorgeous. It's like an Art Deco building. Okay, <laughs> it's a beautiful, beautiful building, and it's all apartments. And it turned turned the entire area around the, the, the where it is into a very very uh, um, um, uh, gentrified area. Again. But again, why did, why did Sears fail? I mean, did they have a moat? What, what was it? And, you know, was it stupidity of, of, of thinking that they were in the real estate business?
0: Well, Kevin, I, I mean, I think, I think we answered the first part of this question, just even just do cultural moats exist? Because I think at the end of the day, we've given a couple examples here of products that, you know, Polaroid, uh, WD-40, you know, where WD40 obviously not as you know still around and still and still doing well you know but you look at a polaroid or you know not as not as much right um unless you want to get into cryptocurrency right but uh but at the end of the day we can kind of show a few examples that name brand products that become like like a kleenex or something like that you know there must be some type of cultural moat there that shows that it's it's existing beyond just the fact that the brand is now the product and it's you know inseparable. So now the question being is, well, sorry, do you, do you wanna refuse? No, no,
1: I was just gonna say that um, one of the reasons why you can speak about cultural moats and culture in general is because when you read a lot of sustainability reports, much of the sustainability report has to do with society aspects of things, has to do with the way in which large corporations mostly Deal with their employees from a standpoint of work-life environments and things of that type, creating a culture. So you will see that they are indeed focusing on creating the culture that's right for those, for that business. So right. um, the large companies have already already in the sustainability reports have already defined culture, um, and most of these sustainability reports were done before COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, so to, so to some extent now, one has to ask: is is uh, are these are these comments that are made uh, large corporations co- about culture and society and, and things of that type um, can can they be can they be workable within an environment in which nobody's nobody's in the building? So I'm 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 the old I have an old school perspective. I'm sit down and say I think cultures develop be, you know people to people you know in in the in the coffee room bullshitting is appropriate et cetera. Um, again, as, as I'm saying, that may not be the way in which cultures are developed currently. Um, maybe culture, Maybe there is a culture that's based upon um, Zoom meetings, for example, and that might be sufficient enough. Um, my question is is, is, is it or will it be? And, again, and I've, I've read a number of different things about some companies have seen what they, preside, what they perceive as being productivity improvements, okay, when people aren't actually working in a building. So there's a lot of conflicting information, um, uh, data that's coming out, and a lot of companies are trying to make decisions on whether or not uh, the, the way in which people uh, collaborate, whether or not in person or over, over, over a device like this, is effective. And so that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, as I said, it might very well be one, I might be looking at an old school perspective, and maybe the new school is that cultures are indeed changing okay, in, in a fashion where you know they rely upon, as I said, the Zoom device or some sort of remote connect, connectivity that's where I'm that's where I'm coming from is is, also, oh. is it,
0: I mean is the question what not whether or not can culture moats exist it's like well how do you define what your corporate culture is in the age of physical separation because I mean we're still in such early innings to then right. once you define that then understanding well can it work
1: right? right I mean you're right again you're right on the money I mean do they exist how do they exist will they exist um are they, are they that valuable? they're existing
0: now but we yeah, don't they, know if they'll work <laughs> no, <laughs> right
1: <Like. laughs> working cultures have already existed forever let's face it i mean um and it's it's then they obviously have changed and as i mentioned i think mean, some cultures are, are are reflective more as an I, I, as i said li- these large companies to me they they operate uh, as an organism they, they, they just exist okay and the culture is the is a culture of existence, not maybe not necessarily maybe a culture of innovation, okay? Where you compete because your culture is indeed totally focused around the vision of a of a of a uh, of a wonderful, uh, highly highly well spoken uh, CEO or whatnot, okay? So again, I'm just that's that's sort of where I'm positioning the question is that again I think our I think your guests <clears throat> have indeed um, demonstrated. Uh, through conversation, that these cultures, <coughs> these cultures are important, okay. And um, I I do recall, I think it was Stephen, who said that they are competitive, okay. And so the question is, is that what does it mean if it's <coughs> if a technology moat is is indefensible? Is a cultural moat defensible or is it indefensible? And if so, does a cultural moat? Is it mitigate? Not mitigated, but is the cultural mode? Uh, does it? Does it? Uh, is it impacted by by the changes that are that are likely to occur over the over the next few years? Right.
2: So, so I'll tell you what I look for when I when I do due diligence on a company, and I when I visit companies, and now it's remotely. Um, one of the big <laughs> questions I ask management is what what do you measure, right? Like what what what's some of the data points you look at? What are you What are you telling your employees is important? How are you measuring your employees' um, success? And so, um, I read a book a few years ago called by John Dewar called "Measure What Matters." Um, he kind of took it from the the Google Playbook, right? In terms of you know, if you measure it, people will care about it. Um, and I think CrossFit, you know, is kind of based off the same thing, right? It's like you got to be able to measure exactly what you're doing to see your performance and see how you improve over time. Um, so I, I think that's really where the cultural moat. Um, the, the, I, get, I think the best cultural most will exist in this whole work from home environment is is by figuring out what matters, how to measure it, you know, and and does that actually drive business performance going forward? Um, and I think that's why Google, you know, does a, has always had has done a great job in almost everything they do, right? Um, it's, it's so it's so
0: funny you say that. I was literally I was I was hanging out with my friend last night who worked at two different companies where. Um, the first one wasn't as quality of a product, but the culture there was amazing and he'll be the first to admit it. granted it was the, he was there pre-COvid and but but one of the reasons he loved it is that there was a lot of goal setting and you' were able to kind of track your performance and see what you needed to get to that goal. and then at the new company that has a very quality product, great, more or less you know has a real opportunity, much bigger company, a lot more financial backing doesn't have that kind of culture and he's bored to tears, you know? Um, and so, and, and it, he just wishes that as he wanted to bring that aspect that he learned at that other company to this, because he thought he thinks that it'll just spark a lot more productivity and just passion for the business, you know? So it's pretty interesting to see that, you know, that's something that you can implement, whether it's in person or not in person. It's just having some sort of performance metrics. If you don't have some sort of goal setting, mm-hmm. you don't have, you want to have a management in there that's really putting, making sure that's put in place. It yeah. doesn't I, matter I, in person or not.
1: I, a hundred percent agree with that. And that, uh, what Sam is mentioning, Sam, that comes out of, uh, OKRs. Is that, yep. yeah. And it came out of Thiel, is that Thiel who introduced that at, at, Google, I think it came out of, um, Intel or whatever it is. But yes, I think that what comes down to is, is that these things are talking about OKRs okay, or used to be called management by objectives. Same, it's the same thing over and over and over again. But again, it's just a new name. Um, but again, it's, it's, it's setting expectations. Um, I'll go back to look at, uh, look. I mean, I think Bill Belichick is probably one of the finest coaches ever. And he is absolutely, totally um, setting a culture based upon performance. Okay, People come in, they don't know what to do. They get booted. They come in, they perform, they get raised to the, the raised to the glory. Okay, so again, is that he develops a system firstly, and then he puts players in who execute against the system, and the system builds the culture and also builds success. Okay, so again, I mean, Sam mentioned about how you can have have re- objectives and results, and you can see it in sports, you can see it in in any sort of successful endeavor. Um, but I I think that what uh, the question that that I have out of out of Sam is 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 one of the things about OKRs and and measurements, metrics and the like, is they typically measure how you performed against your tasks, okay? They're oftentimes task-based. I haven't seen, and maybe Sam has seen more of it than I, but I haven't seen OKRs used effectively in trying to develop a culture, sit down and say, yeah, you did that, or so. Let's let's make it take a, a, an example. It's pretty simple. Um, a lot of these companies uh, build a little bit of culture by having teams go out and work for. Ha- they work they work for a day uh, at uh, um, houses for humanity. Okay, uh, with habitat. Um, so, have you participated in the habitat um, um, activity? Yes, okay? many many people do. Um, that that brings in some element of culture because it introduces you. And the company into your community. Okay, um, I don't know how many companies do that. I know a, large, a lot of large companies do, um, but I'm not quite sure. I mean, I didn't know. I don't. I have to ask ask Sam whether or not, in his due diligence and seeing OKRs being used, has he seen um, any particular company get it into a, into a format in which they kind of use it to seek to develop the culture that um, that they that they wish.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, to be honest, a lot of companies just don't measure a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so when I go visit companies, a lot of them will be like, oh, we don't really look at that, or we don't, like, a a big thing that a lot of microcap microcap companies do is they look at revenue, and that's usually the thing that they measure, right? But who cares what revenue is if you're, you know, if you're not making money on that sale, right? So a lot of companies... Will switch like a bad management team will say focus on revenues and then a good management team will come over and be like, well, they signed all these bad contracts just to grow revenues. Let's look at gross profit, you know, per deal or something of that sort. And so I, I think it's not even, it's not even that complicated a stuff. It's more just like logical. Um, and then like in terms of like, I think what you're talking about is more like social culture. And things of that sort within within employee within a, a company um that stuff is i haven't really seen good measurements of that i think more of it is that's more like you go in and you see the passion of employees are, are they are they at the company because they're there for a paycheck or are they there because there's a bigger mission in mind and i think i think that's what elon musk has done with tesla um which i which my fund that i manage is not a shareholder of but um i believe at ridgewood we do own shares of tesla um, he, he has this bigger vision, right. Of like electrifying all vehicles. And he's like, I, I don't care if other people are going to come and compete with us. That's my goal is to have all these other car automakers come and create electric vehicles. Well, if I, if that happens, our, our, our vision has been, you know, come to fruition. And so I, I think that's why you go work at Tesla and why you won't go work at Ford. If you're, if you're the leader in battery technology, right is because Tesla is the leader and he has this vision and Ford is like an old automaker that wants to hang on to their old ways, but is doing this more out of being scared, for instance. Um, and I, and I think that's like, again, you can't, it's hard to measure that. You can't really measure that, but you can feel it. You can, you can sense it in the passion of the CEO itself. Right. And even though I'm sure Ford CEO is a great talker and great motivator, they don't actually have that passion there. Right. And so, um, I forget what what who it was specifically, but I, I spoke with someone or I went to a speech by somebody who talked about the different stakeholders um, in in any business or investment, um, and one of them obviously is employees, and so he he kind of gave a analogy to you know if you have a pet, um, you come home from work for instance, and your dog is, is at home. And for the, for the first five minutes, he's so excited and happy to see you. Right. (laughs) And for that five minutes of unconditional love that that dog shows you, you're going to do everything for you. You feed that dog, you shelter that dog, you take care of that dog, you do whatever it takes. You cry when that dog passes away. Right. And it's just really for that five minutes of love that you give them. And so a lot of times, like that's why these big companies, um, with their CEOs are so effective is because when they step into the room and with their employees like they they show that love right to their employees and they make them feel good for that for that it doesn't need to be for a very long time but that's something where people i think it makes them feel good inside which makes them in return right work their whole lives for one company and that, so, I think
1: that brings to to the point and i think that you hit it on the head is that when you have when you have face-to-face meetings like that the passion uh, is it comes through immediately? You know it. You feel it. You see it. It's in the air. It's everywhere. And I think passion actually is highly connected to culture. Okay, because you can create a passionate culture. Uh, again, go back to go, going back to the sports analogy. The same damn thing. We're going to win. Okay, and we know we can win. Okay, but now the question you have is is that can can that means of getting Elon Musk in front of a team of people? Okay. Can that continue? Can the passion continue? Can the passion and culture connection continue when he's doing it, you know, by by phone or by by uh, by uh, Zoom Zoom telephonics or, or or anything, you know? Again, it was, how do you? I mean, I, I don't know how you one comes. How I don't know how you, you equate the two. And I think it comes fundamentally to the question. Okay, can that type of passion? Can that type of culture development among the team members? be effectively the same, okay? When you're doing it this way. Okay? And I mean this way, I mean, you know, yeah. Zoom and not, not, and, and, yeah, and like- as soon as I hang up the phone, Sam, you're gone, man. You're not hanging out in the, you know, no beer to be had with you. You know, you're, you're elsewhere. You, hey, Sam, what's that a beer? Oh, fly to California. Oh, up to yours, you know? So, so again, I mean, I think <laughs> the it on the head is that, you know, certainly I think culture is developed strongly by highly visionary and highly um, effective speakers uh, of large, com- small, large and small companies, but then what happens later? What happens now? Okay, that's 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 where I'm at. And is it going to be sustainable? Well, well, that's it, why that's why I think
2: long-lived? That's why I think OKRs matter, right? Is because the passion is not just in the speech; it's in the like Elon Musk. He, he goes, he, I'm sure he breaks it down to the details and he pushes people, right, to get the job done right to push forward as quickly as possible. And I think that's where his passion is. Um, and that's, that's, that gets reflective. And then I think with engineering, I think it's a little bit of diff, different as well too. I think that lets you work remotely a little bit better. But I don't know if you remember, like right when the lockdowns were happening, Elon Musk wasn't shutting down. Like he was like fighting this, the the county of Alameda be like, what are you doing? You can't shut me down. I'm... You know i need to be open i'm, I'm essential <laughs> right, right. you know um so you know there obviously is aspects of it that he needs to be in person he feels like he needs to be in person um or the team needs to be together to do their work effectively um anyway, I think, oh, I, i'm sorry I, I think at the end of the day it's going to be a mix like n- no one's gonna you know then things will normalize to become more normal and there'll be a mix of remote and at home working um so yeah
0: Hey, by the way, OKRs for anybody that doesn't know, I, I, right. and I didn't, I and so thing, I looked buddy. it up. Is objectives and key results, right? right. I believe, okay, all right. Just want to make sure. Well, and I think Sam, I think Sam kind of hit it right there because we're we're asking the question, and and like the way I formulated my head, like, can, a, can you have a cultural? Can you just have a culture that's completely physically separated? you know, where everything operates completely on Zoom, you know, as you think of, I mean, there's very few sectors that you can actually do that. You know, there's, you know, when you're talking about physical goods, it's impossible because you need to physically be there to make the goods. Right. But at least, you know, for a SAS company or tech companies, you know, you can probably get away with, you know, uh, most people working from home or doing that. So, I mean, when I was initially thinking about this question, I'm like, all right, And then thinking about passionate CEOs and charismatic CEOs that are, you know, let's do, you know, all all that kind of stuff. Um, And and, like, can that, can that exist? But, but I I don't know if it can, because it seems like you, you kind of want to have some of that physical, you know, social interaction, physical, right? Social interaction um, where, you know, you hear the speech and you're just like, man, that was great, you know, uh. I could be making a great speech right now, and then we hang up, and I might just talk to myself, like, "Oh, Bob, you did oh, that was <laughs> nice," you know. Like, I, 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 yeah, I wonder. one wants to
1: chest bump you, Bobby. Yeah, no one wants to chest bump. Been <laughs>
0: working out, you know. Again, the, down it's right one
1: now. of those things. Means, I, I mean, I mean, kind of was kind of silly, but chest bumping is gone, right? Fist bumping is gone. All these immediate contact things are gone. So, the being an old sales guy, the one thing that was quite apparent in selling is. People buy from people, okay? Regardless of what you're selling, people buy from people. If you're not sitting in the office with the same person, okay, across the table, looking in the eyes, smirking and laughing and all that stuff, is that you miss the ability of being able to create an emotional emotional tie that basically precedes the acceptance of you as a salesperson. So again, it's again the same thing. Is is the how do, how does sales work? You know, can you sell a SaaS product over the phone? Well, some some of them you can. Okay, you know, they're real cheapy shit and all that stuff, but not high tech. You know, SaaS models. Well, like, I, mean, I,
0: mean, can, I mean, I mean,
1: I mean, I think I think it I think it
0: depends on what you know the the macro is happening. I mean, I think right now sales. You know, we we know quite a few of these medical device companies that you know where it's just accepted. You know, and and normally they're on the road 24 seven right to go and meet with every hospital and physician and whatnot but because it's accepted that we're in covid you know uh their potential buyer is like all right i'll you know i'll set a set aside time to to take the calls or,
2: or not um, they take
0: the calls
1: but they're not buying are they not buying not buying no well i shouldn't say they're not buying that's obviously sales have declined whether or not it's seventy-five, you know, twenty-five percent, or you're talking 50%. medical devices in general, or just in general? Well, oh, anything in general. Certainly, medical devices have I don't and know, any, and anything anything that they, they were <laughs> that they coming into the hospital to get some diagnostic so. <laughs> work done. Okay, again, if, let's look at the number of, of hospital visits that have that have de- you know, that hospital visit declined dramatically, and I understand that that's just a fear de- a fear deal rather than you know a business deal, but consumers right, yeah. are the same way. They're making their decisions, but, you know, I don't think that has anything to do with culture. I think that has to do with straight fear.
2: Uh, um, I, w- I was just looking at some data about different sectors of the economy about customer visits, location visits, and what, w- what would you expect them to be down, like in, in general, across like everything, like retail, for instance. At, at least 50%. I mean it's like 30 40%. Like it's not and it's and it's coming back like yeah per, pretty well. And so you'd be surprised. Like obviously it obviously depends on the region and what's allowed to be open and what isn't. Right right. Uh, right. But I was looking at like casino and hotels. Right. And right. you would expect that to be down a huge amount. It's down no. like 30% year over year. Yeah. Yeah. Um so it's still big, but that's also with the pandemic. Of course, yeah, of course. Like yeah, you yeah, would expect right. people not to be traveling, right? Um so yeah, I mean again I I don't I think especially the SaaS sales um I mean I think actually cuz people people still want to fit I mean especially now where you need to be more efficient as a business or as a company or as a world right like you you need to use software and you need to do other things to become more efficient so if you can add value I think the sales process is actually maybe faster um I think the other thing is like you know can it work for, for a remote team or can it work you know with right Work from home, yeah. Sector
1: to, so. sector to sector, I think it is going to change. I mean, ultimately, you can't compare them. I think you no, know, anything that requires, I mean, supermarkets, for example, aren't going to change. Yeah. No, hey, tell, tell me how supermarkets are going to change in this in this age. But again, I mean, I don't know if they, I don't know if supermarkets have any sort of cultural advantage. Amazon will figure it out. <laughs> <a> sec- <laughs>
2: delivery, I think that's, I think that's the yeah. bigger change, right? It's the shift in delivery. Um, I know more people and I mean, there was a time where in LA like restaurants were delivering groceries like had groceries where you can order groceries from restaurants. Um, So I think supply chain somewhat changes um, and I think that'll shift back too. I mean I haven't. I don't really grocery like our family doesn't grocery shop anymore really in the grocery store since like we lived in New York and we were getting deliveries there and then now we're in LA and we've kind of kept up that lifestyle so um,
1: New York. It <laughs> up the back stairway. Yeah, New York stairs.
2: is like the most impossible place to go grocery shop. It's it's like the
1: best
0: and the most impossible. Uh, uh,
1: that's why all that's why all the places have back stairways and and, and back elevators. <laughs> really, right? Isn't that where you develop, You know, you go to the back door and there's your food. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of funny. So uh, I got.
0: I, hey guys, I want to play a fun game. Let's let's put our CEO hats on a fungi say yeah yeah we're gonna have this is gonna be hey, fun. I, sorry,
2: sorry that just reminded me one thing before we get to the game yeah, yeah. okay okay cu- culture wise and uh, you brought it up with bill belichick kevin but i think it starts even it starts from the owner right oh, great and so and so for a public company it starts from the board right okay. that's it's great a great um, example i like right? that one yeah, <laughs> um, yeah my uncle <laughs> So, so at a public company, it starts at the board level. Like, if you don't have a good culture at the board, who's actually measuring and looking at the right things and making the right decisions, then you know, and measuring the CEO on the right metrics, which Bobby, on uh, the magazine, right, I, I wrote an article on proxies there, and that's a great yep. way for public company investors to look at to see what the board is measuring in terms of executive management and also what the board gets measured on too and, and their bonus compensation um so it starts from there and then that trickles down because the ceo what their bonus is going to be based off of is what they're going to tell their employees hey focus on this right, right? and so right. if you want to focus on revenue then you should you, you can kind of expect that's what's going to be the the okr that's measured for instance right um or the yeah the measurement that's measured but then like if you focus on gross profit or you focus on you know
1: earnings or earnings
2: per share, right? If, if you're focused on earnings per share, when the board goes and does a, a share buyback, you know, maybe they're just trying to get the share count, you know, lowered so that they can get more earnings per that share. So again, it, it, it drives everything. And, and that's, that's again, culture, it's it's all about measuring what, what you measure, in my opinion.
1: As a board member, and we had this conversation in one of the other sessions. As a board member, I agree with you entirely to the point where I worked, I worked with a company that I was engaged with in doing just that roles and responsibilities of the board. And those were, those were OKRs that trickled down. And then the CEO trickled it down and everybody else trickled it down. So everything was set up from the top down. Um, and it's fascinating because I think that's appropriate. And on the other hand is that I've seen companies that trickle up. And that trickle up theory actually seems to work in some places as well. It's kind of funny, but but I, I am with you entirely that um, um, the culture. If you, want to, if you want to keep this thing on culture, the culture stays. You know, the board may be quiet, but the CEO has to basically turn it into a uh, turn whatever this whatever the board wants into some sort of um, funny game that Bobby wants to play. Maybe. Yeah. Know? Here we go. You ready, ready for to the ready game? Back
0: to you, Bobby. Here we go. Here's 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 our game. So let's say we're all let's let's put all our CEO hat or board of director hats on. Let's just assume the CEO is uh, chairman of the board as well, just to make this easy. All right. So we're whether COVID hits or not, or we're starting a new company, and we're like, okay, we want to have our company be completely remote. We want physical separation. Maybe we meet once a quarter, half, twice a year, or something like that. Like there's that mixed in, but for the most part. Physically separate. How would you create a culture within that organization? What are some things that you would implement so that you would hope that that business would succeed? That's a game here. This, Friday, this is a game. Friday virtual yeah. beer. Friday virtual beer. Okay, that's a start. <laughs> Again, I mean, you have
1: to you have to create. In my opinion, you have to create some sort of means that people can engage. Okay, um, outside of business. I think that, that's what it comes down to. I mean, it's kind of the thing about how do you create water cooler communications okay, um, that are effective and that can get things done. I mean, that's the to me, that kind of is the old school way of, of you know, the coffee room, the water cooler, the see you in the hall type of thing. Hey, I need to ask you a question. Uh, those are the things that are missed um, in any sort of environment like this. So again, one has to consider is Am, am, am I suggesting that those things have value um, today? And old school would say yes, new school might sit down and say no, okay. They don't, nobody cares anymore. So again, it's a, it's a, it might very well be um, brought on by what you have already established as being your culture. Your culture is gonna be different. It's not gonna have these, you know, these these uh, personal interactions on, on non, non-business activities, okay. Um, do you do you does, does a new company not have those? When we hang up, Bobby, we're not going to have beer, right?
0: I mean, I have a few right. in the fridge right now. <laughs> we could not hang uh, up. And right. Actually, beer. actually, I think there's. <laughs> I, sadly, I think they're the same beers that maybe Sam brought over when we last had our our, our microcap meetup. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> so they might be might be a, a few months old.
2: <laughs> but. So so what I would do is I would I would think about how to gamify things. Um, and I've seen it done at a at a software sales company, which is I'm not I'm not being creative and coming up with my own idea, but they would do like games every hour or games every week oh. where where they had like a big again, they had this in their office, but you can obviously do it virtually where you have like a leaderboard in the side of your screen, for instance right? And you say, okay, whoever is, this is the, this is the metric we're trying to hit this quarter. Is it like with our current customers, how can we get an add-on sale? For instance, who can do the most add-on sales in the next day or the next week? And then be, with that, you get a reward, right? And then you also get like your name, Love like it. In, shout it out in the email. Um, I see, I see schools kind of doing this too with the, with the whole work, with the whole school from home thing um, where like students get shout like they're students of the week, things of that sort. So I think that's, that's what I would kind of implement and and try to make it a game because um at the end of the day like when we're talking to each other it's we're not we're not seeing each other in real life but you know it's it's kind of like a game it's kind of like a virtual reality type of thing is that
1: is that is that idea sam is that connected to the fact that let's sit down and say that a majority of people under 40 i mean what i don't even know the number anymore have in fact uh, a history of of game playing of uh, uh, some sort of, 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 of um, you know, again, the game playing, if you want to just call it that, control. So
2: if, if you think about the best video games, they're just the most addicting. And so there's an addicting aspect where, uh, again, I don't know what percentage of people, but in your brain, your brain is just chemicals, right? And so when you win a game and that drive to try to win, it releases this chemical in your brain that makes you happy. Dopamine. Dopamine, right? So um, Dopamine. it's dope. Um,
1: yeah dope you dopamine, you, 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 know? you mentioned
2: drugs earlier right so <laughs> um but yeah i mean that, that's the same thing with like these youtube videos that are you know they have these kids opening up these toys right it's just getting that rush and so if you can just do that and i think um it naturally plays to human behaviors uh, human, human behavior and psychology i think that's that's the right way to do it and if you can get that done where people are actually addicted and, and you hire the right people and you keep the people who keep wanting to play these games, I think that's how you can build a great culture and a great company
1: the interesting thing is along the same well, I, I, not on the same lines but in a, in a in a fashion um i can go back and look I remember i'm in the bostonian so i follow the new england patriots and really follow belichick and most recently they because of the COVID, they didn't have any practices for two zero zero practices okay and of course they get they get their ass handed to them by by the lowly denver broncos um now Belichick would never come out and sit down and say god damn it you know no practices means but that's the way i'm sure he's feeling so and, and in another fashion practice, it practice though. he practice, actually practice.
0: did he did say that though he did an interview where he actually came out and said like oh hold
1: on we're gonna practice <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but again so that's that's the other side of it is is that um, and again i'm not i'm not quite sure why i want to use sports teams for it but uh, it's a good analogy in one way. Um, here you show that the inability of being able to have personal contacts and running through everything, same again, do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again, um, may very well, as we have experienced, may have may have led to a decline in the in the performance capabilities of the team. So, you know, now we now we're in that interesting interesting area of of um, when is it appropriate for personal contacts to, to um, expand the, the success of the operation, in one case, where in another case, it may be unnecessary. And I, and I agree with you, Sam. Gaming might very well be a leverageable uh, uh, trend that could be used to you know, maintain a culture. And it's a culture that I'm, I'm familiar with. I've never played a game in my life, literally. Okay. Well, you watch a lot of sports. Well, you know what? That's a game. But I watch a lot of sports, right? Well, and, you and, know and you're tied
2: to that outcome, so
1: yeah. sure, sure, sure. And that's I would nice even
2: of... take. Yeah, I would even take
0: Sam's idea a step further. Like, if it were me and I had my CEO hat on, you know, because you know, with gaming stuff and you and uh, creating a prize, you know, I would. And this is probably like way too much in a utopic world of this, but if we're just if we're going to live in there, here we go. Like if you, if you went to each employee and you said, Hey, look, if you set your goals and this is, and you hit that you it's on them to create. All right, well, what do you want? Like what within reason, of course, you know, but what, what is, what is the reward you would want that if you met all your goals, you get it, you know, like that would be, that would be something that's pretty interesting to me. Wouldn't that be robotic? Is that necessarily a bad thing? Don't, no, but, Certainly. But,
2: that's, but, but that's that's what makes a good management team, right, is to make it not robotic and to right. come up with different games and ideas and and I think it starts from the top down, right, where it's like what are the metrics we're actually trying to get and what's important and does right. that change over time, um, you know, do we come up with different ideas, right, like different customers to, to try to find or I don't know how to get leads, right. Different ways of doing it. How do we, you know, again, it's, that's part of a good management team is being creative. It's not just doing, playing the same games over and over and over again.
0: You know, what's funny about this conversation is that like, and maybe it's just me, but it's like almost, it's almost like I'm assuming that now that there is the physical separation, that there's going to be a lag in the productivity. You know whereas I think there's That's been the a numbers right like I think there's been a number of statistics that have shown that you know the going to an office on a daily basis and doing the nine to five you know you can be just as productive at home and working you know four hour days four days a week you know in, in some jobs not all jobs but in some jobs so it's an it's an interesting thing assumption that I had going through my head while we're having this conversation like well you know you want to have the incentives and you and it's interesting to gamify things but at the same time it's like are people being that less productive now that they're home? I feel like it's been. I, I feel like I've been. Shit! I started three friggin' podcasts since I started working from home. Like, like I feel like I'm more productive than ever.
1: I would argue. that I'm just. Speaking I would from argue that from, for a variety of people, you can be much more productive at home uh, because you're you're actually spending eight hours a day working rather than four hours a day going to shitty meetings that you never need to go to. <laughs> yeah. you no, know, looking down at your computer, going shit. I could get out of here and then you know some morons going ana, 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 and nothing to do with you. Okay. That's totally unproductive. Um, and I think that is, that is clear. On the other hand, the number of people who are investing day trading and getting onto their, getting into uh, accounts like Robin Hood is, is, gone dramatically up. Don't tell me that that isn't a bunch of guys working at home, uh, a bunch yeah. of guys and gals working at home sitting over here, playing with their computer, sitting on the damn thing, and saying, oh, I just made $33 because I traded that thing. I actually think that there is a- uh, And it's their
0: work meeting. No, I'm just
1: kidding. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's another thing going on with work at home. Work at home means you can play at home too, okay? Yeah. And again, um, I, that's unmeasurable because you're not sitting there looking at anybody doing this. Stuff. You're, only, you're only commenting on the fact that this person did their job. Now, the reality of it might be that the guy that that person's job only required 21 hours a, a week anyway just to get everything done because there was so much bullshit that the guy that the person of the deal with them the corporate structure I got to go to these meetings I got to do this yada 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 particularly in large bureaucracies okay guarantee you that uh, that uh, federal government uh, productivity hasn't changed okay but again, I think that there uh, are- I guarantee you it's come down a lot. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Whatever productivity there was, it's
2: has it a gone. lot less. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I think that there are issues that, I mean, and again, it's, it's, um, you know, I've been looking at productivity type things for a long time. And uh, I did quite a bit of research on it and found out that 35%, generally give, generally speaking, 35% of effort that's placed into anything is the waste of time. 35%. Okay who oh, are you talking to, Sam?
2: <laughs> so speaking of productivity, my my biggest issue is I have two young kids. So <laughs> they, you got to talk to them. The, 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 the focus, like especially having long periods of focus just isn't there working from home for me. So right. like for me, I, I I go into the office. It's like now I could know I'm going to spend the next like six, seven hours doing If I wanted to be head down and right. do this specific thing. So right. um, but I'd say that's, I mean, I used to also have my office like a five-minute walk from where I live, so my commute wasn't that bad. Um, but
1: your <laughs> office is in Starbucks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm with I'm with Sam right there. Like, I, I just started coming back to the office too. Just I want to you know.
1: tell you I want to tell you something about just kind of a little aside, but um, I told Bobby this the other day. Uh, I, I was out fishing. I'm out in the middle of absolutely nowhere. All right, there's barely a signal, and I'm walking around with all my gear on walking past this crowd of people. And there was this gal sitting in the back of this pickup truck with a cab over it. She's got, she's sitting there cross-legged. She's got her computer, her little, actually a little computer, her iPad, sitting on a, on a, like a box. And she's in there typing away, typing away, typing away. And I said, I looked at her, I said, are you working? She says, yeah. I, see, I said, you get anything done? He she says, yeah, I'm here all day. And I was in this was like, this is, this was the ultimate of, of Work from home, you don't have to work from home. You can work from the back of your truck at the fishing, and you only and you only stop working when the fish start rising. Okay? Then you then you then you leave. So I thought that was the Ultimate. one of the funniest damn things because that, that defined for me that this remote um, working can be done absolutely from anywhere as long as you are. A willing participant in satisfying these OKRs. Okay. I did my job for today. I'm done. Okay. I, I don't need to do any more work because it's not expected of me. Don't wor- a, that was an eye opener for me. I was really fascinated by the whole thing.
0: Don't worry. One of these days, I'm going to do a, a round table while I'm surfing because the phone's right. You know, they're look, they're <laughs> waterproof. I'm going to be able, I'm going to bring it out to the water one time and just be like, all right, welcome to the. <laughs> Like, hold on, guys, you know, and just go. I mean, uh, technology
1: has taken us there. And I think uh, tech, technology has taken us there. And, I, and once, once again, I mean, my wife and I, my wife and I are, are nomadic, uh, have a nomadic lifestyle. And, you know, for, for quite some time when I was driving, she was working a lot. And you know, I was driving and she'd be sitting in the passenger seat, literally all teched up. She'd have a wire up here. She had the phone down here. She had the computer over here in the passenger seat. Plugged all in, you know, solar panel on the roof. It's unbelievable. I mean, there's all kinds of ways you can be remote, and she was getting her job done. But her job was task based. Okay, it's truly task based job. Get your job done. Get it over. Get it out. Okay. Um, right. Did she have any need for culture? Mm-hmm. Just about zero. Okay. Again, because it's another it was big task-based. question.
0: It's another huge question. You know, like there's some companies out there where it could work like this and the management's kind of looking around, like, you know, there's just tasks, just, you know, get them done. You get paid. Go Yeah. That's it. Like they don't need, they don't need prizes. They don't need this. Like, I, I I know I'm one of those people where like, if it takes, if we have a whole list of things to do and it takes our employee, however many hours a week, whatever, to get it done, Done. it's done. I don't care. It's just done. You know that that's means nice. now we can move on to the next thing.
2: But but I think that's where I think you're missing out on what actually is a good culture, right? It's a, a good culture, in my opinion, is how do you not just say get your job done and then you're good? Let's go to the next level. How do we get to the next level, right? And right. when you have everyone in the company on this greater goal to get to the next level, that's where you find something truly special. Um, Therein lies the
1: rub. Yes, the rub. I think that that's what that's really that's the kind of interesting perspective. Of- I, uh, uh, so, so some companies may need it and some companies may not um some people may need it and some people may not and again it's one of those things where it's 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 probably going to come out in the wash that you know it's necessary when it's necessary and who cares otherwise right and, i don't know mind. it's, it's it, a very question and i must
2: say um i i come from like i traditionally when i got into investing was like a very big value investor, where it was all about, you know, finding and extracting value from from a company. And then I, when I, when I started to launch this fund, um, I, went and I talked to a lot of different um, fund managers and one person, I can't remember who it was, but what they said really resonated with me. He's like, I love all you value investors because you guys go and you go look at these like crappy companies that have terrible culture. Like no one's happy to be there. Everyone's like worried about getting fired because, you know, the business is, is having like is struggling at this point of time, whatever it is. And that's why it's trading cheap. He's like, have you ever been to a growth company? Growth company, everyone's excited. They're happy. They can't wait to go to work. They can't wait to like sell, you know, talk to customers, things of that sort. He's like, I, I, I just love it. He's like, it's just so much more exciting and people's attitudes are so much better. Um, and so that really resonated me. And although I didn't like switch completely to the growth side of things, like I, I see that value and now I'm like more, I'd say like value, you know, I, I say growth at a reasonable price type of investor. Um, cause I mean, you just see it, you see it visiting companies and talking to executives and how much happier they are and that resonates throughout. And it's hard to attribute, you know, a dollar amount to that, but it definitely eventually does, does get there and, and drop to the bottom line um, yeah. in my opinion.
0: No, I agree. And I, I agree with both what you and Kevin said, because it's really more or less the same thing is that it's kind of that happy medium of, you know, all right, there's going to be times where it's just get the task done, go home, call it a day. But then there's other times where like there's tasks, but it's also carries with it that like, all right, well, we have a bigger goal in mind. So, you you know, you want to get your employees excited about that so that, you know, they take whatever task or work that they had to do to the next level so that you get here. You know but i i think there's a happy mean but i think we can all agree that you know look our main question today that we're trying to answer and i think we more or less got there is you know can cultural modes exist in the age of physical separation i would say i would say more or less yes you know it's just a matter of execution and and i think over time we'll see what strategies worked or not is it gaming is it just being more hands-off and giving more tasks and just getting it done and going from there? Is it a mixture of working from home, but also making it so that they should come into an office, you know, every once in a while, just to kind of get that social interaction. I mean, it seems like it's going to be just a mix of all these things. And we'll, we
2: will find out over time what works and what doesn't. And and then I think going back to what, what you guys are both saying about like getting your tasks done, and then you're done for the day. I think a big aspect of, of OKRs and measuring things is understanding like what's, what's a good amount of tasks to get done or how long does it typically take someone to get these tasks done? Right. And measuring them against that. And I think that's why gamifying and having like a leaderboard or scoreboard where you can compare and say, oh, well, this person is doing is very efficient and doing a good job of this. And this person isn't, you know, maybe this person isn't the right person for the job. Right. And maybe they should be doing something else. something they're better at Um, or they need better training. Right. Or or something of that sort. So I think that's why measuring is so, so, so important. is because that's how how you really can become more efficient. So because right. again, when you're in when your company, you're not just like doing things within your own little bubble, you're competing against other companies as well too and everyone else that's out there. So if if you can't uh, I mean that's why people technically bring in consultants, right? It's because they see these other companies, they can compare your benchmarks that you can they can compare you to these benchmarks. Um, yep. and say, hey, are you actually doing a good job? Are your, are your gross profits and your margins, you know, equivalent to the others in the industry? You know, and then what, what are you doing differently? Um, so again, that's a theoretical value. And in reality, I'm not sure if that, um, how often that plays out, but, um, but again, but that's what you should be doing as a company, in my opinion, to get the culture, whether in person or work from home.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because the question is still open is can you measure culture? And all you said, and I agree with you entirely, is that you can you use the words, you can see it, and you can feel it, okay? But no one's measuring it. But you can see it, and you can feel it. And I "Wow, this place has a vibe. This place is, this place is cool." And as Bobby said, I want to, I want to work here because everybody's happy. You know, no one's pissing and moaning, you know, and things of that type. But I think that's, I think, I think it's kind of measurable from an anecdotal perspective. You know, as you said, as you said, you know, you walk in, you can see it, you can feel it. and that's where i believe um you know so how do you place a value on it and things of that type and it's really quite funny to me because productivity you can you can do the exact same work okay um and do it in less time and end up being a lot more productive okay but it's just a fake it's a fake improvement because if i'm more imp- if i'm more productive than if i'm a manager i'm going to cram more work down on you because well, that's, that's the thing is, is
2: it more productive? If you're, let's say, let's say you used to spend 20 hours a week doing something and now you're spending an hour a week and spending right. the rest of the time at the beach. Right. Like, like you're not really being more productive to the- That's in what terms I'm saying. Output, right? That's so, what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah okay. okay. If,
1: you, if, if I paid you for 20 and now you're doing one, geez, I'm going to cram more twenties down on you. Yeah. Uh, so again, there
2: is some, there are some- But that, uh, that's where, that's where I think like an ownership mentality in terms of culture. Again, I don't know, it's harder, it's easier said than none matters, right? Because if you're now able to do 20 times more work, right. And be as productive, you're producing more for the company, the output for the company should be more like a good, a good executive or good management team should compensate that employee more or realize that employees it's compensated and, and, you know, give some of that value back to the employee and not keep all of it for the company or the shareholders. Right. And so I think that's where, um, incentives matter right um and an ownership type mentality slash incentives really do matter um, yeah but the
1: incentive actually is that i can actually do 20 hours of work i could do it in, i can do it in 1 hour i go to the beach yeah that's the incentive i, I can i can i'm not i'm not taking the company you know to 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 uh, i'm not what's the right word i'm not taking taking the, um, the ownership of not ownership i forget, i forget the word i'm looking for but i'm not screwing the company i'm just basically doing what they tell me to do but if I was the company and I know that the guy's doing, you know, one hour work and 19 hours at the beach, maybe I can do them three hours of work and 17 hours at the beach and still end up with a big, huge incentive of being able to even to the point where I can, I can work from the beach, you know, yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's, the, but, there were some huge benefits to this whole thing.
2: So, so I think there the incentive in that situation is I want to be at the beach. Right. But I think a better company culture and a better management would be able to be like, okay, how do we how do we inset, how, how do we incentivize you differently so that you spend those 19 hours helping the business do Agreed. better instead Agreed. of being at the beach right yeah. or hey if you want to be at the beach that's fine um but i don't know figure out a better structure where you know there's something you know
1: we'll go work at the beach maybe do so other management things. has been doing that forever how to figure yeah. out maximize maximize so, gain
2: so going back to i think what i would do as a ceo is i've started to see more and more like software or HR like analysis of finding the right like type of personality for specific roles in companies. And I think that's part of, I think what, what you just said, Kevin triggered me in terms of, um, you know, finding that person who, if they're able to do something that they were doing in 20 hours in one hour, you know, having, finding the right person whose mentality is, Hey, let me drive to do more and get more out of my 20 hours. Right. That I'm going to spend, spend actually working and focusing on work. So. Um, I think that's another aspect where as a, as an executive, I would focus on what tools can I find where I can, you know, hire the right people to, to do what I need done.
0: Yep. Either way, Not to go down another rabbit hole, but you know, I was thinking while you guys were talking there, it'd be interesting to see some case studies of even pre COVID of globalized companies. I mean, you know, having virtual physically separate environments, has been around now for, I mean, forever, but yeah. especially from a technological, from a software and tech technology perspective, you know, for many, many years now. So, it'd be, I mean, I, I know this is gonna be bad. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure we did some case studies when I was in, getting my MBA and maybe I'm just forgetting them. But <laughs> I know there are plenty of case studies out there. So it'd be interesting to go through and see, you know, what ha- what's worked, what hasn't worked, you know, and, uh, and going from there. But, you know, I think guys, I think, I think we're there, you know? Um, any final thoughts on the topic or anything that you want uh, the rest of the audience to know about, or or you could just give us uh, your social media handle and
1: where people can go find more information. So um, I, I was yeah. gonna make one comment just to suggest that. Sure. The, that the, uh, the topic was this long-winded idea, um, but I was gonna give you the short one, which is basically moats, magic and management, okay? and to see how the whole yeah uh, you know, there you go i mean that that might even be what we talked about there's a lot of magic in this stuff
0: there is i couldn't agree more that's a that was, that was a thousand oh that's a that's a good way to end it that yeah. felt good
1: that felt good
2: uh, kevin i don't know what that was that that felt good but uh sam <laughs> uh follow me on twitter i have a I i have uh i don't know one of my friends said first to a thousand i don't know why he just brought it up on twitter andy andy like I it. yeah um so help me get to 1,000 followers, Snamiri at Twitter, at Snamiri on Twitter, sorry. Um, and then the other thing is, I, I, I just say, I think going back to our initial conversation about moats, I think like, for instance, a WD-40, we'll go back to that example. If there's a microcap company out there that's starting to encroach on their market or comes out with a better, you know, a better lubricant than WD-40, for instance, we 40 would probably just let them, you know, gain some market share, gain some market share, gain some market share and then buy them. And, and I think course. that's that's why, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm attracted to microcaps is because that's a great catalyst to extract value. Um, and, you know, once you're big, like, you know, there's, you, you don't have that option. There's, like, who's going to buy Tesla right now at its size, at its valuation, you know? Um, so again i don't know if you agree with that kevin or not but obviously you do you said you said they'll buy them but I, I think that's that's why there's a lot of value in looking and hunting for microcaps. because when you find one of those moat breakers for instance um you know you, you found something special it happens in the software industry all the time i mean look at monster now for instance i mean that never got bought but you know coke and pepsi if you if you start encroaching on their market share they they buy you oh, yeah. um so Anyway, I mean that's kind of my, my final thoughts.
1: Yeah, celestial holdings. They're gonna be bought anytime soon. You're saying Celsius. Celsius. Yeah. Yes. I'm sorry, Celsius. Yes. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. been a hot that's been a
0: hot Finn Twit uh topic in the last couple of weeks. Oh yeah. That has been pretty interesting. Full disclosure, not a shareholder. Not a shareholder. Anyways, <laughs> uh, you know, I'll all right. I'm gonna plug Kevin. You can go follow him at the good prick on Twitter. That's at the good prick. That's a yeah. CK. Not just K, CK, and uh, we're trying to get him to five hundred followers. Uh, you know, what I'm saying maybe we'll throw you in the same challenge. If we get you to a thousand, we get we get uh, Kevin to five hundred. You know, uh, the 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 challenge is that then you got to do like a TikTok dance uh, or
1: something. I'm like not that. doing the TikTok dance. That you're that doing the tic- about. I, I looked at that <laughs> WAP thing and I think that's that, that Oh wow, by, Kevin. <laughs> I, I looked at Cardi. What's her, what's the name with Cardi B? Yep.
0: Yeah. We're Think we're getting, we're getting,
1: you're going to do it, dude. Sings this song called WAP? You're going to do it. Oh, uh, that is disgusting. <laughs> that, that, yeah. that, that woman must be one. I, I don't, I have no idea who the hell she is, but my God, did she ever sing disgusting songs? Uh, well. I'm not going to do a damn thing if it has anything to do with that. <laughs> and oh. by the way, I don't know if I, I, how many do I have today? I, I don't even check.
0: Yeah. Hey, let's see. You're at right now. You have see if, See if Kyle's doing doing his job. Yeah, let's see. Kyle. Keel. Keel. Sorry. Uh, sorry, Steven. You're you're at 386.
1: Get out. It's working.
0: It's working. Yeah, you know, you were at I think 200 at the start of this. So uh, you know, our our powers come writing,
1: on. I have to start writing stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you did the other day. I like this it one. Did. New name for masks. Face
1: diapers. That was Face good. Yeah. I like that. That was that was good. That was that was quality. That's a quality tweet. That's a that's a that's a something out of a, a something a good prick would tell you. That's right. Exactly. Face diapers. <laughs> and I think also a good prick would say that Cardi B music is disgusting. <laughs> it is. Did you read the lyrics? No, that's, that's the know, point. The on. No, she can't say that. <laughs> I'm All right, sorry. I just, been... I'm, I'm too damn old to listen to that trash. <laughs>
2: Have you heard I, the song I, on the radio
1: before? I don't know. I read
2: the <laughs> lyrics. I think like half of it must be just like blacked
1: out. <laughs> yeah, you got to kind of like beep, 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 beep. Those songs are going to be full of beep beeps.
0: <laughs> All right. We're leaving it there. You can follow me on Twitter at Bobby K. Kraft. That's B-O-B-B-Y-K-K-R-A-F-T. This has been the Investors Roundtable. and uh, <laughs> Thanks, guys. This was fun today.
2: I'm Bobby. That's Thank a good you. One. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Bobby. Appreciate it.
1: You guys.